It's beginning to look a lot like Easter, but everybody's forgot. You know, it's the same as Christmas. Like everyone just moves on. You know, when you after Christmas, you say "Merry Christmas," and people are like, "Huh? Christmas was the twenty fifth. Like, no, it's the whole season of Christmas, you goob. And it's the same as Easter. We've got this great season of Easter that is upon us. And so it's still a fantastic opportunity to greet people. Christ is risen. Happy Easter. Feliz Pascua. No, not Feliz Pascua. Yeah, uh, Feliz Pascua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, like, have a blessed Easter to greet people with Easter joy. The season, because the season is still upon us. I'm still celebrating. Yeah. You're still celebrating. I am. Cadbury eggs every morning for me. I crack them, put them in the skillet. Because during, you know, mm. during Lent, I eat real eggs. But yep. during, during the season Lent, of Easter. I sacrifice by eating real eggs. And then. Easter. And Easter, I just eat. Cadbury eggs. Yep. yep. You know, that's a, that's actually a question. We're, uh, we're doing a little ask me anything. Uh, but, you know, we're answering people's questions that they've Today, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. We have some and, questions and, about the mass. And well, you know, that question comes up every year of why do we dye Easter eggs? And I say, because Easter bunnies poop eggs. And people are like, what? I was like, well, that's the only logical conclusion when you have a, a bunny and an Easter egg in the same picture. The bunnies, <laughs> by conclusion... By just like simple deduction, one from the other. Especially, I love hanging out with people who are not Christians, who have not lived in America, uh, have no connection with the the culture of America. They ask some really hilarious questions around Christmas and Easter. And one of the questions: Why is Santa on the cross? <laughs> the the question they ask is why uh, Why do people decorate eggs here in America? Oh. And I and I tell them, I said it goes back to Mary Magdalene, the tradition of Mary Magdalene. Uh, on that, on those days after the resurrection, when Mary Magdalene goes to Pontius Pilate, we talked about this at one yeah, point. Yeah, you'll see Mary Magdalene holding an egg. Yes, yeah, in images. Yeah, an iconography. She's holding a red egg because the story goes that as she goes to see Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate says, "What do you want?" And she's like, "Oh, the I'm, egg is always red." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, said, he said, "I'm." She says, "I'm here to tell you about the resurrection that Jesus, the Nazarene." Of Galilee, the prophet has a Mary risen Magdalene from the dead. From... No, she's talking about Jesus. Oh, he is risen. And Pontius Pilate's like, I know he has a risen. So much as he risen, as this egg is red, and he like peels it, and the egg is red, and that's the that's a, the story of um, Easter eggs. But that that's that has kept that tradition of decorating and dying and even in the, even the Slavic Eastern world of painting the eggs very beautifully. Yes, you know, like yes. Poland, Poland, Ukraine, um, those Slavic countries. So I always grew up with Easter eggs like beautifully painted in our homes uh, during the Easter season. I give them away to people like here, like Christmas here, ornaments. have an egg. Yeah, here I have a beautiful, and then, so what do we do? We, we dye them, um, but now they're 45 cents an egg. A little pricey. Yeah, so that we have we have uh, some parishioners who have chickens and give us eggs from oh, time I, to time. I know I gobbled them up. Also tamales. 
Project Gloria. Oh, they're the best. They're the best. Okay. Well, okay. So, we, so, so that, we. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So that's the, that's that question that people had. So what's a don't want out. So we did uh, just recapping. We did uh, a long series. I don't know. We did ten episodes or so. It seemed like fifty through the mass. You oh, know yeah. what? From the very beginning, how to prepare for mass, all the way to like, what do you do after mass? And I think that was well received. We did that in, um, I was going to say in honor of, no, but just in, in uh, to be part of uh, this Eucharistic revival uh-huh. yep. that the U.S. bishops have called for. So this is, we're about to enter year two of the Eucharistic revival, which is, um, is designated for, for parish, for parish life. And so here at St. Francis Xavier, we've, we have a little committee formed that is going to be just generating ideas to help the parish as a whole. I'm not, I'm not on it. I'm just, you guys come up with ideas. Uh-huh. That's just a little, a little side note. That's a, that's a thing I'm doing now is not having to be in the middle of everything. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm trusting other people more, delegating more, and it, and it feels good. Are you gonna? Is this gonna go on throughout the season of Easter, or since you gave it, since you gave up control during Lent, are you gonna take I, it back? You gonna seize it? Hostile takeover, Lee Iacocca. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. It just feels good. I'm just. I'm doing. I am. I am really trying to. You know, during Lent, I prayed uh, the Litany of Humility, which was which is super helpful. Google that and pray it. I and hate can, it. You can pray it anytime you want, but it, it really was. That it was others may to be me. praised and I unnoticed. Yeah. Deliver me, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and so, anyway, we have a little committee of uh, who's who's w- working through the Eucharistic revival and just making some recommendations for that the, how the parish can live that out. One of them is we're gonna we're gonna increase our adoration hours um, by nineteen hours. Oh, it's kind of random, but uh, our goal is to go. You know, we start Wednesday morning and then we're gonna go all the way through Friday midday. Yes, I'm. I'm uh, raising my hand over okay. here. Yeah. What does this have to do with the question that was asked? Everyone? Ah, oh, I was saying <laughs> that we we walk through the mass as part of to participate in <laughs> the Eucharistic revival. Well, out of our series on the mass came some questions. Oh, go on! I love. So this. we get emails, um, Instagram messages, um, very from varying sources and, and, and people. Um, so would you like, can I ask you a few questions? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So these are, these are a little bit random. Oh, um, boy. Random. Why are some parts of the mass sung and others not? Oh, um, the hierarchy of solemnity. Okay. Yeah. So, so is that, is that the priest's, is that the priest's choice? Or? Uh, no, it's, a, it's in the, it's like, if you sing an opening prayer, you should be singing, or if you sing an opening song, these are also things you should sing. So the, the general instruction of the Roman Missal, which I do not have in front of me is, uh, oh, or, or I do, but I don't know where it is in there. Uh, it talks about p- parts that are dialogue parts. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Those are higher on the. Oh. If those should be sung, yeah. If they can, you know, if they can be sung, um, so you'll notice one thing we've we've started doing at St. Francis Xavier uh, for the, our Sunday our Sunday morning masses liturgical is tap we're dancing. Now, we're now singing oh. the introduction in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. No. Yeah. Um, we've started singing that. And that, that's kind of in response to, like, if we're going to sing anything, the dialogue parts should be sung. Yep. 
Now, what we don't do, Father Healy and I need to talk about it because we want to be on the same page and not just I do this and he does that. Um, we should really, we actually should do that at, at the end of Mass also. Okay. May Almighty God bless you, the Father. I, I, have, I don't know that I, I would need to like get that. So Father Healy, this is the deal. Father Healy is very talented musically. He plays, I think, I nine know. ten we instruments. Think, I, I think it's up to sixteen. I think he's like learning instruments on a regular basis. I got no idea. I don't know what he does all day. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's awesome. Um, but he he's very gifted musically, so he can like read, you know, read music and like sing it, like right, you know, just instantly. Uh, and I can't. I I have to hear it, and then I can then I can do it. Anyway, so so what if a priest is not a good singer? Then he should get s- some singing lessons. What? <laughs> I mean. Some people are not even helped by singing lessons. Yep. yep. So it it, it it does. It kind it kind of varies. It varies by parish. Varies by. But ultimately, there is a there is a hierarchy of things that should uh-huh. be sung. Okay. okay, that's a good one. What's your next question? Why are some parts of the mass like in Latin and Greek? Like what what's like we because we mm. do here we we chant. Uh, that's a really Father John Kyrie, Grant question. The Kyrie eleison like. So in the Mass, you know, you come to Mass, and it's the English Mass, and then there's, like, Greek, and then sometimes, like, we'll sing the Sanctus, you know, Sanctus, Sanctus. In Latin. Yeah. Um, why? I, I Yeah, I think those, uh, like, historically, they have been in the liturgy, and I know Father John Grant, our director of liturgy in the Great Diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma, uh, mentioned that it was the preservation of these things from um, different regions of the world. Uh, that, uh, especially yes. the Greek and the Latin empires, where the two lungs of the church are, Greek, East, Latin, West. And so they are consistently there in the... We keep those in the Mass, no matter the language, Yeah, as a way to kind of preserve... Is that to preserve history? To yeah, I, I sort of maintain part, unity? Yeah, I, maybe, but I, I don't know. I actually don't have an answer to this. You, oh, you right. asked the wrong person. I think it's we'll, a Father we'll John Grant question. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can come back to that one. Okay, at the beginning of Mass, we have the penitential rite. So the priest says, brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. <laughs> and then uh, there's, there, there should be a pause where the people can in fact, acknowledge their sins. Uh-huh. And then we do, we either do the confidior, uh-huh. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brother, or there's there's other options where you can say, you know, you were sent to heal the contrite of heart, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Um, and then there there's a, there's a prayer that the priest the ab- says. Ablution prayer. And the priest says, may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Uh-huh. And the people say, amen. And then if it's that time of year, we then sing the Gloria. Which sins are forgiven? So, so the, this person Not asked, mortal. Not right, mortal. Okay, so this is what we want to make clear. So this is where, where somebody asks, like, so if I participate in that part of the Mass, like I don't need to go to confession? That's awesome. No. It's not a general absolution. And that's not true. General absolution. Talk talk us through that. Yeah, general absolution only occurs in very particular situations. And even when you get general absolution, 
if you survive, you're called your yeah. You're, general absolution is like your plane is going down, or you're jumping. We're out going. The- we're going into <laughs> battle. Yeah, there's exactly. not time for sort of individual yep. confessions. Exactly, and so this is the um, the the absolution prayer at the at the end of the confidior is is a, is a recognition that you know this great liturgy of Jesus's body blood soul and divinity the resurrected one the crucified and resurrected one frees us from our sins and so our venial sins are wiped away but we also talk about and not but and we also talk about like when you go to confession you should confess your venial sins too so that those are um, are made aware to the doctor of the sacrament of confession, the priest. Yes. So, yeah, mort- mortal sin. So if you missed Mass, missing Mass uh, of your own fault is, is a mortal sin. Um, if you had sex outside of marriage, if you, I don't know, there's, all, lots, of, there's lots of mortal, mortal sins. Um, those sins are not, are not, are not. Forgiven at the with the penitential right at the beginning of mass. That's right. That's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, that, uh, that helps. I, I, what, I, I, oh, you have a question? Yeah, yeah. Oh, please. Why was it necessary for the writer of Genesis to have two stories of creation? Oh my! What is that? That's a question about the mass. No, this is not a question about the mass. This is just you're asking. Going, you're going rogue. I I know, but I, also you were going to go down this bunny trail of like the all two- about the mass. <laughs> And I was like, the two no. stories of creation. Hey, for Lent, I for Lent, I asked God for two gifts: one to stay off bunny trails, and two to read souls. And so, occasionally, I've been given that great gift. Um, You're reading my soul right now. Yeah, I'm reading your soul right now. And it, let me see, let me see, let me see. I wish I wasn't in this rectory with Father <laughs> Carol Coolidge ever again, Bishop SOS SOS. Save me, <laughs> save my soul. Um, the, so the two stories of creation. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's obviously a lot of debate over the centuries of like of their historicity. Are they, you know, are they historically true? I think if you match them up, you, you know, you would see there there are some problems in like how they line up, just in the in the order of creation. One one has things being created in one order, and one has them being created in a different order. Um, you know, so that then people ask like, well, are is it true? Like, is the book of Genesis, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, um, like, is it, is it true? And we would say the, an- the, the answer is yes, it's true. But it, is, it, is, it, is it history? You know, is it historically true? And you'll meet lots of people who would say yes, um, that uh, the world was created like in six 24-hour periods, six days, you know. Catholics are not bound to believe that. Um, right. So, so we, we do believe in the truths that are contained in the two creation stories, that God created the world and everything in it. God created man and woman. Uh, man was not meant to be alone. Uh, that there was sin, that original sin yeah, entered true. the world. Um, what else is in there? That we were created good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. You know that that God created in the image created, of likeness of God. Created, that we're created in the image of all of that is all of that is true, um, but you know, is it history? Did it happen like you know in exactly that way that Genesis chapter one and then the second creation story in Genesis chapter two laid out? Uh, we would say you could you can say no. I would say no that 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 did not happen. 
historically that way, but it's still true. It's trying to tell us something. Yeah, it's uh, the like the little drummer boy when you go to a battlefield, uh, a mil- U.S. Civil War battlefield. There's like books on like artillery and cavalry movements. There's um, poems about it, and then there's like the little drummer boy and his lost puppy at Bloody Lane. <laughs> like, oh, this is uh-huh. this is both like, cute oh, and dear. sad all at the same time. So okay. anyway, that's my the the site. The, uh, the another que- another question is, you ready? Oh, you you have another question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Why? Why? Um. Why do? Why have women in history worn hats and veils? Like in oh. England, in England, they have these you know hat boxes that you know people wear beautiful hats to to mass. And uh, gentlemen used to always wear hats to mass. And women um, wore ve- there were these veils that, and even today in the Eastern Catholic Church in Ukraine and the the Russian Orthodox Church, women wear women wear silk veils um, as uh, you know uh, when they go into the church. They flip yeah. them on. So you'll see you're seeing that. I think we're seeing that more. Uh, I mean, I think we see that here. I think you see it at St. John's. There are more women and girls wearing. Uh, veil. So basically, it's a it's a piece of of cloth, uh, usually a kind of a nice lace something. You can you buy them. I like silk better. Um, silk. Silk. Um, cool. And they're wearing as a like a head covering. But then if you see like the, that, those same women, like they're not wearing it at coffee and donuts, and they don't wear it. <laughs> you know, they're not wearing it at youth group. They're not wearing it in the parking lot. You'll often see them like putting it on. And then enter, then and then entering into the nave, entering into um, the the main church. Okay, so um, just uh, so first of all, it's scriptural. Um, uh, let me back it up. It's not required. Okay, right? great. So, and no woman or girl should feel that they have to or feel pressured to do it. Um, I think some women cho- choose to do it as a sign of devotion, in that it helps them. I've heard women say like it helps. It helps me to pray. It helps me to focus. It helps okay. me to feel, um, one woman put it, you know, just like it It makes them feel more feminine. Okay. Um, so anyway, it comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. A man, on the other hand, should not cover his head because he is in the image and glory of God, but women is the glory of man. Um, this is from, there's this nice little uh, website. Let me, can I, let me just read this. The question is, why do Catholic women wear chapel veils at Mass? It says this, The veil is meant to be an external sign of a woman's interior desire to humble herself before God, truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. As women, we are symbols of the Church, the Bride of Christ, and the veil is meant to be a visible reminder of the perfect submission of the Church to the loving rule of Christ. Well, Yeah, because it is Revelation chapter 22. The, the, um, a bride is the symbol of the church. I mean, it says, I saw the heavenly Jerusalem looking like a bride. Yeah. And then this, this is actually really, really helpful. This is, this website is called veilsbylily.com. Um, <laughs> then it, so one of the questions is, shouldn't I avoid drawing attention to myself at mass? And it said, we should yeah, never yes. seek to become, <laughs> yeah, we should never seek to become the object of others' attention, especially at mass. However, um, our veils are meant to be a visual statement a public proclamation before the Lord that he is the Lord and that we love him and that we are ready to obey him. So anyway, that's a helpful little. 
helpful little thing. And a uh, and a shameless plug for Lily's Veil Veils Shop. dot com. You can check <laughs> you can check that out. Anyway, so that's so if you see that, that's what that's what that is. Not a, not a requirement. Not something. I think you or I like you know particularly push, but also something that is beautiful and can be a beautiful way to help you to help you pray. Um, what? Uh, what's the deal with priests bowing their heads at the name of Jesus and Mary? And, and then, Joseph. And, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And Joseph, too? The triple, the Is triple that true? Holy, yeah. And what was that, like 2000, that 2007? Um, there was that document that came out from Rome, and you had to bow your name at the, at the name of the Holy, Trin, uh, the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Is that true? Uh, I did. I'm about to. If that's true, I I need you better to. shape up. So so the so it's to, sort of a two part question of what's the deal with priests doing that, and then are the people supposed to do that, also? Yeah, at the at the name of Jesus, every knee must bend in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord, and it's the it is the whole it is the holy name of Jesus, and at the liturgy or whenever we we say His name. We we should give some reverence to it. I I said um, during a class one time when I was in college and undergrad in Virginia, I said Jesus, and this lady in my class said, "Don't call his name unless you need him." And I've always thought about that. <laughs> I was like, I you know, I probably used the Lord's name rather irreverently, um, and just used it out of like sort of frustration for something, and and I just remember her. Car- both correction and reminder that his name is the name that saves. That everybody has been waiting for yeah. the, the Messiah, Jesus, to arrive. And so we should keep his name sacred. And so I've actually found that, like, I just started doing it just out of, like, reverence. Just, you know, very... My non- mom does it. Like, if you were, if you said, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Mass. I'm going to go see Jesus. My My mom would, like... Like you can't see me because we're on radio, yeah, yeah. but like she does a little. She's always done it. It's 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 actually pretty inspiring. Yeah. Okay. Ma- here's Marty and Peg in the house. Yeah. Marty. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. So this is a general instruction of the Roman Missal number two seventy five. Uh huh. A bow signifies reverence and honor showed to the person themselves or to the signs that represent them. There are two kinds of bow. Oh, I get. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, profound bow. It doesn't say that. Oh. It just says a bow of the head and a bow of the body. A bow of the body is at the altar. A That's bow a of the head is made. <clears throat> All right. On. So here, okay, here we go. This is what I thought. And so it's not Joseph. What? Unless there's some other instruction. Joseph. A bow of the head is made when the three divine persons are named together. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And at the names of Jesus of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and of the saint in whose honor Mass is being celebrated. What? I thought it was Joseph so if, this whole time. So yes, Joseph, if it's the solemnity of St. Joseph. Or if, uh, um, or if I just throw his name in there. I mean, I guess I mean his could. name is already in the, in the Eucharistic prayer. And then prayer. a bow of the body, that is to say a profound bow. Oh, oh there it is. There I know it, it is. was somewhere. Is made to the altar during the prayers... Munda Cormeum, cleanse my heart, and in spiritu humilitatis, with humble spirit, in the creed, at the words et incarnatus 
est, and by the Holy Spirit became became man. No, no, and the Word became flesh. No, that and that's what does it say? The in the creed, yeah, and by the power of and by the Holy Spirit was born of the Virgin Mary. Ah, okay, okay. I thought you said the Holy Spirit became flesh, and that is the so I I think this is saying that the people should also do that. This doesn't make a distinction that. Yes. That at the name yep. of Jesus and Mary and the saint in whose honor Mass is being celebrated, I this seems to say that it is the, the, the priest and deacon, but also the people. Yeah, exactly. So if the name of Jesus is spoken during the Mass, everybody should give him a little nod. There should be a bow of the head. Uh, or of Mary. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, and the then saint. it says the this same is- kind of bow, this is a profound bow, is made by the deacon when he asks for a blessing before the proclamation of the gospel. In addition, the priest bows slightly as he pronounces the words of the Lord at the consecration. Mm-hmm. Slightly. Not slightly. Not hitch at the uh, Well, if you do a profound bow while you're at the altar, you'll hit your head. Yeah. So, so yes. So people, the people should be bowing their head at the name of, so it says when the three divine persons are named together. So that's uh-huh. when we like when we do the the um, the glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Bow um, at the name of Jesus, at the name of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the saint in whose honor Mass is being celebrated. Okay, I I I got I got I got a, I have a question. Yeah. A hot yeah. topic. Hot. It, it was it was hot topic during the season of Lent, and it's this: holy water, no holy water. Sand, Father, uh, why? To my knowledge, there's nothing that says holy water should ever be removed. No, the only only on um, Good Friday, the stripping of the altar, the cleansing of it, all the water should be removed on Good Friday. Yeah, the, yeah, I think it's Good Even Friday or Good Holy Friday? Saturday. I think it's Holy. Well, there's on none holy Saturday. Yeah, there's no water because there's no sacrament. There's no mass. Here's what Catholic Answer said. Emptying or covering holy water fonts during Lent is a modern innovation not found in the church's directives. Water is always kept in the holy water fonts until after mass on Holy Thursday. There it is. When they are emptied of holy water and later refilled with the water blessed at the Easter vigil. Uh-huh. I, Lent is a time when we need the spiritual benefits of I holy know. Water. I'm in a desert. I need some water, bro. I haven't seen that, though. I, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen that. Of what, of people, the, the 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 taking away of the no, it's the, the holy water. it's the weird one was this year was like somebody said, uh, Father, uh, I went to a church and there was sand in the holy water font. I was like, you mean there was no water? And they're like, yeah, that's weird. I, and it, it, okay, stop doing dumb stuff and inventing things, people. Okay, this this is not a time. It's like you need holy water during yeah. this journey. Yeah, this the divine life, the sacraments. Yeah, the sacramentals. Yeah. You need to mark yourself with the sign of the cross and drive the enemy out. Okay. You got the um, others? Um when when do we okay, so we come, we said we said at one point, like you should come to mass with specific intentions. Uh-huh. Like when when are you this, reading this off a piece of paper? Yeah, this is from Mary Frost. When who? When do we pray in the mass with our mass intention? Like what Pray, you, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice you and yours. 
what do you okay say so say that say that again uh, so you come so, with okay i'm praying at this mass i'm offering it for my friend who is in the hospital who is sick exactly okay and, what, and you and what do we do with you right you at the presentation of the gifts that's when you place your intention on the altar you can like do that physically um, there's a mystic in South America that says, give it to your guardian angel to have your guardian angel place it on the altar. It's also during that mo- that moment when we, the priest says, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours. There it is. This is where you very nice. Bam, right there. So Mary Frost. Um, I, so what's that? I, you know what, what when is that in this? the mass? When is Mary, that in the mass? Mary Frost, one of my former parishioners, emailed yeah. you. Because she knows you won't answer. What? That is untrue. Mary Frost and her family are are now my parishioners. She, they live in California. There's no way she's a parishioner. The other family, her 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 parents. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't live here. They're parishioners in Pawnee Boundary. Well, they do. I know. Uh oh. Do they come here from time to time? Yeah, that's a, that was another question, but we can do that. Should you cross your geographical parish boundaries to go to another place for mass? Oh, but no, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a tough one. That's a hot, hot topic. Um, <laughs> I'm glad Lent is over. I can go back to I eating think weird meat that would and actually bread. Be, that would actually be a really good episode because I think, I mean, especially in cities when you've got, you know, you live in the middle of 10 parishes. Yep. Can you just drive by four of them to go to the one you like? Ooh. I mean, people do it, so it's not like, well, I don't know what difference we're going to make in that debate. But out here, you know. I mean, our parish boundaries here are Payne, Payne County, north of the Cimarron. All the way to I-35. And so the people who live, yeah. I mean, so technically speaking, people, we have people from Perry and we have people from Morrison. Yep. We have people, yeah, from Cushing, Pawnee. And God's country, Oklahoma still City. water America. Okarchi. <laughs> we have a couple that comes from Okarchi. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Oh we're boy. Anyway, we hope that was helpful. Happy Easter, y'all. Have a blessed week. Peace.